guys, welcome back to Heading for Heaven podcast. I am so excited to finally be back with you guys. This is episode four called Walking in Newness. So I know this episode is releasing a little bit later than I was hoping it would be, but life happens, you know? I got some um, health stuff going on. I am moving out in a couple days. So life has just gotten super busy, but God is still good. The episode is still being released. So let's get right into it. So the whole theme of walking in newness, right? And not turning back and living in the present has been a reoccurring theme this past year for me personally. Sometimes the past is something that we don't like to go back and look at, right? Because maybe it brings shame. Maybe there's guilt there. Maybe you feel like people are holding you to what you've done in the past. Maybe you feel like God is holding you to what you have done in the past, right? But my God is a God of the present. He's a God of newness. He casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. And he calls us to walk in newness. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, not turning back, living in the present. So I'm going to break this down into three points, right? We're going to hit three points that all point to walking in newness, right? So we're going to talk, one, learning from our past, two, living in the present, and three, planning for your future. I believe that these three things set you up for success for walking in newness. I think um, it brings relevance to all areas of time. So yeah, we're going to break all this down together. Okay, so the first thing we're going to talk about is the past. Nobody likes talking about the past. We know that there's probably things in your past that you are not super proud of, right? But I want to get to a point too where you can look at your past and be like, hey, like that's not who I am anymore. I'm learning from my past. I am thankful that God has redeemed me from my past. I'm thankful for my story and just changing your perspective on that. So I'm empathizing with you. There's things in my past where I have messed up in weird ways and I'm like that is not me at all I do not understand what I was going through I do not understand why I made choices like that but I am able to look at my past now as a point of redemption and I'm able to use my story to help other young girls in their walks but guys that took time it wasn't something that I always looked back at and saw God in sometimes I would look back at my past and I would just see the dirtiness of my sin And I didn't see the power of God's grace in it. But something that I was reminded of is guilt drove Judas to death. Conviction drew Peter to Jesus. After Jesus died on the cross, Judas had so much guilt and so much shame of the decisions he made that he committed suicide, right? He had guilt that drove him to death. But there's a difference between guilt and conviction, right? With the Holy Spirit, there's things that he convicts us of. There's a healthy conviction that comes with that, that comes with sanctification. So conviction drew Peter to Jesus, and this is what I mean by that. Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times, right? That Peter would deny Jesus three times. And I know Peter felt the weight of that. But Peter felt something different, right? He felt conviction for the decisions that he made. He goes on even after when Jesus rose from the dead, Peter met Jesus again. And he was sent out on mission. He walked with a different boldness because it did not drive him away from God, but it drove him closer to God. And that's a huge, huge thing. What does your sin do to you? Does it drive you closer to God? Does it drive you away from God? And I believe it's all about how you handle your sin, right? I think sitting in guilt and shame and living in a pattern or lifestyle of sin, that drives you away from God. 
But I believe that conviction and relying on God's grace and realizing that you're a sinner and confessing that, I believe that draws you closer to God because there's a different sufficiency and a different rely like a different reliance that you have on God when you know that you're a sinner. So one more time, guilt drove Judas to death. Conviction drew Peter to Jesus. Our God is not a God of guilt or of shame. So Jesus calls us to take up our cross daily, right? He tells us that his his burden is light, his yoke is easy, right? So that doesn't mean that the burdens of our past is something that we need to carry, right? We need to take up our cross daily, but we do not need to take the burdens of our past, right? The yoke of Jesus does not include the burdens we choose to add to it. One of my absolute favorite verses in the Bible is Isaiah forty three nineteen. It says, look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And the part I want to focus on is, look, I am about to do something new. Jesus came to introduce something new, not to just patch up something that's old. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is something that honestly didn't click for me until maybe a few months ago. I used to think that I was like this slate, right? And that I would have these marks all over myself um, of sin and of bad decisions I've made. And I would come to God and I'll be like, God, like, make me clean, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And I would confess, right? And I think, I thought that God would just like wipe it away, right? So I'm trying to think of like a whiteboard, right? If I was a clean whiteboard and then I'm a sinner, so I have little scratches and marks all over myself and I go to God and God just wipes it with an eraser, right? But that's literally not how it works. God basically takes my whiteboard, throws it as far as the east is to the west, and then gives me a new whiteboard. That's the best way I could think to explain it. It's not something that you just come to God and he just wipes it away. You are a completely new person, right? It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, meaning that the old is no longer relevant. So even when Jesus came down to die on the cross for us, right, he, he came to introduce something new. The Old Testament talks about the law, right? The people of the Old Testament lived according to the law. But with the New Testament, Jesus came to replace that, right? He didn't just say, hey, this part of the law I want you to follow and I actually still want you to perform sacrifices. Like, no, he became the ultimate sacrifice. He introduced something new, right? He didn't just patch up the law and say, actually, I'm going to add some revisions to this and I'm just going to edit it a little bit. Like, no, he became the new standard, right? And his standard was grace. An analogy I have for that is an acorn, right? An acorn is something small. Um, You plant it into the ground, it becomes an oak tree, right? So an acorn's purpose is fulfilled when it grows into an oak tree, right? So the acorn is technically gone, but its purpose is fulfilled more greatly because it's been planted and turned into an oak tree. So it's kind of like us, right? I don't think that God wants me to completely forget my past, right? I think he wants me to learn from it. And I think he wants me to use it as part of my story to help other people that were in the same spot that I was in way back when. So this is how I'm going to describe it. The acorn is my past, right? The acorn is old me. It is the old. So take the acorn. We're going to bury it in the dirt. That's my past. But my past is being used to propel me into my future, right? To propel me to live better in my present, to propel me to guide other girls, to be an example, to use my story 
as something powerful and something that is convicting for other people. So an acorn, once it's planted into the ground, turns into an oak tree, right? Something grand, something huge, something amazing. The acorn is no longer existent. Once it's an oak tree, it's an oak tree. But now its purpose is redefined. And kind of crazy. This just kind of connected in my mind as I'm sitting here um, thinking. But Jesus died on the cross, right? He was buried in the ground, buried in the tomb, and he rose again. Acorn, buried in the ground, rose into an oak tree. I don't know. Kind of crazy. God is a God of newness. He's a God of growth. And the last thing I want to say about learning from your past is shake the dust off. And this is what I mean by that in Matthew 10. And they talk about this a few times in the Bible, but it talks about shaking the dust off their sandals as they went from town to town, right? So as they were exiting a town, maybe that wasn't welcoming them. Jesus told them, hey, shake the dust off your, shake the dust off your feet, shake the dust off your sandals. And as I was reading that, I was kind of like, I think that's sometimes like what I need to remember, you know, like I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. I am made new. I'm walking in freedom. So shake the dust off. Leave it there. Don't go carrying the dirt from your last season into your next season. You need to walk in newness. The next thing I want to talk about is living in the present. And these are the two biggest things that I have learned about living in my present. Number one, staying hungry. Number two, staying humble. So first thing I said is staying hungry, right? We need to realize that we have a need for him, that we cannot do our life without him, that we need to rely on him for everything, right? We need to rely on him for grace. We need to rely on him for strength. We need to rely on him just for our daily life. And something that completely changed my perspective on this is Matthew 5. And it talks about the Beatitudes, right? Maybe you've heard that before. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. And so on and so on. But today I want to focus on blessed are the poor in spirit. I believe poor in spirit means having sort of like a beggar's mindset, right? A reliance on God's power, something where somebody doesn't have any spiritual assets, right? We are a sinful and rebellious people, but we need to be poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven, for God. If we think that we're spiritually advanced, we cannot receive from God. If we're walking around thinking that we've got it all together, if we're walking around thinking that we are more spiritually advanced than the person next to us, then how can God move in us? How can he show us more of his grace? How can he show us more of who he is? If we think that we are so set and that we are good without him, if you don't sense your own need in your own poverty, you will never hunger and thirst after righteousness. God cannot feed someone who's full of themselves. And that kind of goes on with what I was going to say next. We got to stay humble. God cannot feed someone who is full of themselves. It's not what I have, but it's what I do not have. That is the first point of contact between me and God. That's the very reason we need God. I am a sinful person. I need God. So it's not living in that, woe is me. I'm a terrible person. I'm an awful sinner. But it's realizing, hey, like I cannot do this by myself, right? Like daily I need to call on God and call on the Holy Spirit to help me walk in newness, to help me walk as he has asked me to walk. So when the verse says, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It's meaning that blessed are those who are hungry, who realize that they need God, who realize that they need to have a reliance on God's power. Blessed are those people because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. 
God can fill you up so much more when you are telling him you're hungry, when you know you are hungry for him. But if you're sitting around full of yourself and you're sitting around thinking you're more spiritually advanced than other people, that's where it gets a little bit more difficult. Another major turning point for me as I was trying to shift my perspective from living the shame of my past to walking in newness is the phrase, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And this comes from Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. It talks about how Jesus was reclining at the table in a house with many tax collectors and sinners, right? He was eating with them and his disciples. And the Pharisees came by and they saw and they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And then this word got around to Jesus, right? And he told his disciples, and he told the Pharisees, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And boy, did this wreck my world. The crazy thing about God, the most amazing thing that God has shown me about himself in this season is that he wants to give me grace, right? That he desires to gift upon me mercy. He wants to give it to me. It's something that he wants to do. He desires mercy for me. And he prefers to give me grace and mercy over my sacrifice, right? So the Pharisees lived in this mindset of doing and performing and looking a certain way and doing all the right things and just super focused on their appearance, on how they acted and what they did. But I believe that Jesus would rather me come to him with open arms and a humble spirit saying, God, I need you. I need you to give me grace in this area because I keep messing up rather than for me to get in my head and think that I can do something that will make up for my own sin, right? That will make up for my past. And I think that's something that I used to live in too is, God, I need to make up for what I did in the past, right? I betrayed you and I did things that I'm not proud of and I need to make up for that now. And that's not who God is, right? So the prayer that I'm praying now is, God, I desire all that you have for me. And that's grace and mercy. I desire that. And I release my desire to prove or make up for and that sacrifice. So just praying that honestly is my biggest piece of advice throughout this entire episode is praying, God, I desire your grace and mercy and I release my desire to prove or make up for. I release the desire to just live upon sacrifice. So that's point number two, living in the present. And for the last point, planning for your future. So there's a few different things I want to talk about when it comes to planning for your future because I don't want this to become something where you are relying a lot on control, right? I think sometimes we can look so far in the future and plan every single second out, plan every single detail out, and that could become a control thing, 100%. So I want you to take this with a grain of salt. And I want you to realize that there are things that you can plan for, but there's also things that you cannot plan for and that you need to leave space for God to move in certain areas. But number one thing is accountability. You need to open up to your community. You need to talk about what you've been through. You need to talk about your past. You need to talk about what you're struggling with presently. You need to talk about your worry. You need to talk about that with other people, right? You need to talk about your experiences, because I think that there's so much freedom and healing that comes with that. But I think that there's also a discipline that comes with that, right? So walking in newness is something that should be freeing, right? That should be light. But if I just decide today that I am no longer going to be the person that I was in the past, that doesn't just instantaneously happen, right? Yes, God's grace and mercy comes instantaneously. 
but sometimes there's habits, um, sin habits maybe, or bad habits that we have that don't just go away in one day. So we do need people around us to hold us accountable that we are going to be vulnerable with when we're messing up, right? Um, With my experience with accountability, I have a group of girls. We have a group chat. There's about, I think it's four of us. And we just text in it, right? We have emojis for certain things that um, we are tempted by. We have emojis for certain things that we may be struggling with in that very moment, right? So it's just okay, send the emoji. The girls see the emoji. Okay. Hey, we're praying for you. Hey, maybe that means we're going to call you. Maybe that means whatever. And then we also have a, not like a rule, but kind of like, we are always going to be honest with each other. And we know that we are putting, we just realize the power of sin. Right. And I think it's a discipline to kind of have a group like that because it's, Hey guys, I want you to call me out. I want you to call me higher. I want you to hold me accountable. So I'm going to be honest with you. But the thing with accountability is you are going to get from it what you put into it. You're going to get out from it what you put into it. So if I'm joining an accountability group, I can't just check the box if I'm just sitting in accountability and not sharing the deepest, darkest things that I'm walking through or things that I'm going through. You need to be honest and vulnerable about where you're at. And something I heard, I think it was from another podcast, but it says, what are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of not sinning? Right. So I think as a Christian, we have a desire not to sin. Right. But how strong is that desire? Are you willing to put up boundaries, willing to put up walls, willing to maybe delete an app, maybe willing to not talk to a certain person in order to help yourself from not sinning? Right. And I think sometimes we can be like, oh, but like I can handle it. Right. Oh, I can do it. But you haven't been able to handle in the past. Right. So maybe something you struggle with is lust. So I know somebody, for example, that struggles with lust and they know that they cannot have Instagram because Instagram is just a rabbit hole of falling into lust. So they just don't have Instagram. They don't use Instagram. They don't really care to have Instagram because their desire to honor God is way stronger than the desire to have Instagram. So what are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of not sinning? You need to realize the power that sin has and you need to realize too that you have power over it. Sometimes it's just making a sacrifice in certain areas. So for example, for me, um, listening to SZA, she's an amazing artist. She's very talented. But the lyrics in her music sometimes be a little spicy. I don't know. But I just can't listen to SZA because I know that it takes my mind places that I do not want to be in. So this was, I think this is in the past maybe eight months. I just haven't listened to SZA because it just takes my mind places I don't want to be. And I know that it's something I had to sacrifice for the sake of not sinning. So I don't listen to it. But you need to think about that too. Like what are different things in my life that I know are opening the door to sin? Maybe it's not sin directly, but maybe it's opening the door to temptation. And then you need to really ask yourself, am I willing to give this up for the sake of not sinning? But having accountability and sacrificing things for the sake of not sinning, that is a discipline. And as Christians, right, we have Jesus Christ as our number one in our life, right? We have priorities in our life. So the biggest thing, the biggest revelation that I had in all this is the greatest danger to the best thing in your life is the second best. I'm going to say that one more time. The greatest danger to the best thing in your life is second best. So if you're living 
a Christ-like walk, right? If you are in love with Jesus Christ, he is the number one priority in your life. So the thing you got to check yourself with next is what is the second best thing in your life? Because that honestly is going to be chasing the tail of the number one. And I think honestly for a while I would lie to myself and be like, well, it's God, family, friends, church, all this stuff. Okay, no, but like be honest with yourself. Like what are the things, what are the idols in your life that are taking up so much of your your headspace, so much of your time? And I think honestly one of my idols was social media, 100%. And so let's say, let's say for example, social media is second best and God is number one. If my idol is social media, it is going to constantly be chasing the tail of Jesus Christ in my life. And I don't want them to ever come close like that. So maybe that looks like, hey, I'm going to sacrifice social media for a month. I'm just going to be off of it because I never want the priorities and things in my life to ever even come close to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ should be number one, but way, should way, way, way exceed the other things in my life. So that's a heart check for you. Maybe it's a little life check you need to take is what is the what are the things that are running after Jesus Christ in my life? And like I said before, all of this stuff is a discipline, right? Planning for your future, having accountability, sacrificing things for the sake of not sinning. These are all disciplines, right? But that's what the walk is. It is a discipline. You know exactly where Christ is. I think we can go through times where we know exactly where Jesus is and we know exactly what Jesus approves of. But we have a lack of urgency, right? And this lack of urgency will keep you comfortable where he is not. You know exactly where Christ is, but your lack of urgency will keep you comfortable where he is not. So living in urgency, right? We need to live urgent of like, God, where do you want me? God, where are you calling me to be? God, how are you calling me to act in this moment? Who are you calling me to pour into? What are you calling me to cut out of my life? It's constantly living with that urgency to please God. And I know this can kind of all be a lot. I know this is a lot of information I'm throwing your way, but even I, like I'm working on all these things. And I think sometimes as I'm sitting here, I'm like, wow, like the Christian walk is rewarding 100%. But I think there is like a lot of heart checks. Like as I was thinking about it, I'm like, wow, being a Christian requires a lot of self-awareness and a lot of heart checks. But that's what we got to do. We need to constantly be looking at our blind spots. We need to have people around us who are looking at our blind spots because that's how we grow and that's how we live in newness that's how we walk in newness so just a little review a little recap number one learn from your past number two live in the present and number three plan for your future thank you guys so much for listening to episode four walking in newness i will see you next month with a new episode